You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 304. My name's Turner Sparks. And I am Sir Michael Ira Kaplan. Ooh, he's been jo- knighted since for the last Jolly Old episode. England episode. I got to be knighted. You can find me at Turner Sparks on Instagram. That is the main social media platform I use these days. Kaplan, I'm not. A, I don't do much yeah. on Facebook. Those days are over. What about Twitter? The, the new Twitter, not Twitter. I know you don't do that, but the other one. The, the new social, sky no, the, blue or the, the, the liberal one, the, the liberal version. Yeah, I sky can't blue. Keep track of, I'm not getting into <laughs> any of these new t- this idea like, well, if you if you think this politically, use this Twitter. If you think that politically, use that one. Yeah. I, all I use Twitter for is to check out like NBA updates. <laughs> right, exactly. I, it's not poli- it's not a political website one way or the other for me. So anyway, forget Twitter. Well, follow I'm at Captain America on Twitter. So we, we haven't even yet. gotten to you yet. Relax. <laughs> at Turner Sparks on Instagram. At uh, turnersparks.com, all I, I have big announcements going on over there. Uh, my my album just came out on vinyl. Uh, my double happiness number. Oh, the album went to number one in America, and the record label said, You know what? To reward you, we're going to put it onto vinyl. Is it and remastered? 
It's like digitally that. remastered, but it's on vinyl. So I don't know. Exactly. We're going forwards and backwards. Is there like the a way. bonus episode? Like usually when there's a, a music album on vinyl, they have like some B-side randomly on there. It, director's Buried. commentary. Like 10 minutes after you're done with your set, you just come back on with a joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> the so, secret so, song. This, yeah, exactly. The secret song's on there. So make sure to check that out, everybody. There is no secret song. But anyway, you get that. I will sign it and mail it to you. Go to turnersparks.com. Find Kaplan at Cap in America on all social media platforms. He's on True Social. He's I'm on, on Truth. Skyblue. I'm on the liberal one. I like to hear all sides. He's I'm, a- on, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> and then we're lost in America on Instagram. We're putting out clips there from our show. So check it out. I believe it's Lost in America pod on Instagram. That too. <laughs> yeah. We should get the other one. Yes. On the show today, we have Ollie Hornback, our friend from England, jolly old England. Um, we will get to Ollie in just a minute because Boris Johnson, the great Boris, has One officially resigned. Uh-huh. He's officially out of all political office. He's not even a member of parliament anymore. So we're going to get to that plus uh, plus more. But Kaplan, for yeah. everyone who wants to support this show, and we got a lot of supporters mm. these days, but the best way to support is patreon.com slash lost in America. Go to that. Kaplan and I put out new episodes every single week a couple episodes of our lost in the bunker show that is full throttle comedy podcast just me just kaplan telling the world what we think about them exactly that's where those clips i just mentioned that's where they come from if you see them on instagram and you're like i where where is this hilarity it's taking place on patreon.com slash lost in america we don't give the jokes away for free no exactly if you we'll give you a tease on instagram every once in a while but if you want the good stuff five dollars a month that's all it is. Five bucks oh. a month to get those two episodes a week. Plus, you get an invite to our monthly off the record show, which is growing in popularity. And uh, last last month, we had Anton Timoshenko on from Kiev, Ukraine. Before that, Mohammed Magdi talking about how he escaped Egypt during the Arab Spring. We have comedians from around the world talking about things that they're not allowed to say into a microphone for mass consumption. So this is an off-the-record show. It is not recorded. It is live. It is for our Patreon audience only. We do it once a month. We have a new guest every month. Yeah. And you get to ask the questions. It's a Q&A with them in a Zoom chat that they'll tell you what they really think of. Anton told us a, everything he thinks about, uh, oh, David Letterman. David Letterman yeah, came we, over and interviewed him. Ooh, boy, we went off on Letterman. Be- he told us exactly where all the top bunkers were. He has all the information you needed. So it was... Uh, it was he a good told end. us where Zelensky's hiding, but he, he said told he exactly where he's hiding. Longitude, latitude, coordinates, <laughs> the coordinates, <laughs> exactly. The longitude, so. the latitude. And but Putin is not a listener, so he lost out on a great opportunity. So yeah, Putin doesn't Patreon right. subscribe. If he would have, the war'd be over. Five dollars right could end the war. Russia would own <laughs> Ukraine. He could have ended Ukraine for five dollars, but he, he cheapskate that guy. All right, so. let's get to today's episode. We got Ollie Horn on the show. And um, we're talking cap. What do you know about this Boris Johnson situation? I mean, I thought he was out already. I didn't realize that, you know, apparently because when we have a president, they re- they are out of office ceremoniously or unceremoniously. They ride off into the sunset. They open up like a library, presidential library. They yes, uh, they give speaking tours. They make zillions of dollars going around speaking to like, you know, big clubs. All the well, they yeah, they speak to you know Halliburton yeah, and Halliburton Blackwater, and Harvard University places, and like all that. the all the shady <laughs> operations that made Epstein a Island. Of they speak of at yeah, but uh, apparently in England, in merry old England, uh, you just retire back to Parliament. You just go back to being like a lowly member of Congress. So, uh, or, so that's what Boris was doing this whole time. But then um, we talked about this, I think, a little bit where they had a um, you know during COVID during the heart of the lockdowns. 
they uh, had rules, very tough rules for the general pub population, but for the members of parliament, it was, you know, do, uh, do not, not, the rules didn't apply, basically. Uh, no, no, so no, they, I think the rules did apply. Well, they did apply, but not in the people's minds. They were partying. They were uh, having office parties. They were having uh, birthday parties. Yes. And they just weren't, they weren't telling people about it. They were pretending it was all, you know, it was all in secret, but um, word got out. So now Boris is in big trouble. He okay, yeah, that's it. So Boris Johnson, uh, I think I could maybe sum that up. What you just rambled through is <laughs> <laughs> Boris is yeah. He was having a, during the COVID lockdowns. He was having um, parties, unsanctioned parties. Now he's he out. Was- we have Ollie Horn on to explain it all to us now and um, kind of tell. I, I have more questions, and I want to know about Ollie. Ollie's now uh, this big successful. Festival act is what they call them these days. You do these comedy festivals around the world. It's a different system than what we have in America. So yeah. I'm excited. Ollie is doing very well over there. And uh, he's currently joining us from London. It is early in the morning. I think it what is it five in the afternoon. Uh, yes, yeah, 4 p.m. <laughs> 4 p.m. Ollie's awake. Happy to have you here. PM. British summertime. British, British meantime. Summer. Where the time British. starts. British this is where it begins. This is where time I starts. Realize, I didn't realize British summertime was a time zone, but apparently it is. <laughs> Everyone follow uh, Ollie Horn. Go to Ollie Horn's website. He just updated it. He's got his tour dates. Everything about he's going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this summer with a number of shows. He's one of the most popular acts there. He's one of the few people that can make money there. Most people lose a ton of money, but he's making he's a success. So first of all, congratulations on your wild success. How do no. we do? I wouldn't say I'm one of the most popular acts there. I think it's actually because I'm like an indie act that I make money. I think the acts which are in the biggest venues tend to make the biggest losses. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> insane. Indie is big a, mistake by them. Indie. I remember. I remember Rancid years ago. The band Rancid, the punk rock mm. band from California. Yes. They were putting out these big hits, radio hits. They were making all this money. I mean, they were Ruby they Soho. were touring America. Ruby Soho. They had all these big songs. And they asked some journalists, said, why don't you guys go to a major label? They were still on Bad Religion on the record label. They were on this little punk label. They said, why don't you go to a major label? And they said, listen, for every record we sell right now, we make $2 per record. If we go to a major label, we'll make 10 cents. We're yeah. they're like, we're, we're, it's not that we don't want to sell out. We're making more money as it is now. And it's, that's, it's you're the really rancid. Odd of British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> ran into the French festival. I, I was chatting to an Australian act who, who does really well. He, he's, um, he's made quite a name for himself and the venue contract he got for one of the bigger end of Edinburgh venues meant that he, even if he sold, I mean, it's ridiculous. Even if he sold every single ticket across his yes. run, he will make a loss, which is like, that's great business. The, I tell you, it's, it's great business for someone like the producers, the, the broad, the Broadway concept. Well, it's, do you know, I mean, the Edinburgh fringe is one of the best, um, and most efficient transfer transfers of wealth from, uh, artists to the landowning class, like everything. <laughs> like, like if you wanted to set up a system where creative people just handed their money to people who owned a hereditary asset, then you'd do, um, <laughs> it's the you'd basically create the fridge. It's, um, cause it's like, cause it's not just the, uh, cost of staying there, you know, hotels are like literally 10 times the price during August. Um, and obviously short-term rentals are too, but all of the venues you're kind of subletting. Right. And so, you know, people will just turn anything into a venue. So you've got university lecture theaters, uh, you've got, you know, the the basement, the storerooms of, of coffee shops. So one year there was even genuinely a toilet cistern that was rented as a 30 seater venue. <laughs> 
to an act who's later gone on to have a Netflix show. So it's a mad festival. It's a totally. And you have to pay to rent it out. Like they don't. Yeah. You oh my god. Booked. You, you get in, booked. <laughs> in America, we call it four walling. They do it in Las Vegas, where you know, like, um, who would be Tom Jones, right? That singer. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. Anyone. He four walled <laughs> a room at the, the the Venetian or something for thirty years. And he had to pay the Venetian one way or the other. He was renting the room, and then it was his job to sell the tickets and make the money. Yeah, back. and that, I mean, that, that's basically. I mean, the 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 lens through which you need to look at these kind of things is is an allocation of risk. So it's like I don't really think of it in terms of like room rental and who's paying for marketing. The question is, which party is going to underwrite the risk of shows not selling, and then which party is going to benefit from shows selling really well? I um, take on. Basically, what I do is I do some shows at what's called the free festival where you pay a nominal fee to rent the the venue. And the reason for that is they tend to be smaller venues. So we're talking between 60 and 100 seats. They do have smaller ones Um, and very, very minimal tech. You know, so it's just a mic, maybe a projector and a screen, a couple of spotlights. Good enough, but certainly you can't do anything too showy there. And very limited in terms of door staff and kind of venue accoutrement so i have a production company of my own so i work with my my friends and you know we we we, we do all that kind of stuff ourselves cheaper um but what that means is you know if, if i am getting 100 people in a room they're also coming in for free so we bypass all of the kind of fringe infrastructure where they will double dick double double dip on tickets so for double example dick. if uh, double double i mean uh, <laughs> dip there. Dick in your money <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like that um you um so basically for a 10 pound ticket the audience maybe pay like a two or three pound booking fee plus maybe a third of that will be taken somehow right whereas if it's cash in my hand then the only person that sees any of that money is the tax man if i decide so hey hey, hey well he doesn't listen to our podcast i'll tell you that much no we'll the tax man so what do you, what's your strategy so this is a free you wouldn't you're doing a free show and then at the end you do you go hey if you guys had a good time Give me, give me ten. Well, pounds. I well, I don't make it conditional on them having a good time. I make it conditional on them having stayed. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you you like, lock the doors? I was like, whether you've had a good time or not, I'd like your money, please. Um, yeah. No. So, so basically, the, the system works because the audience generally understands it. They're like, obviously, it's not free, right? And there's yeah. there's a thing called the bucket speech, and the reason it's called the bucket speech is typically in the past the acts would just stand with a bucket and ask for money. Now, of course, you, everyone has a card reader. But there, there's a. Re- I might Venmo, actually write a blo- or not Venmo, I, I might write a blog post about the, um, the 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 bucket speech because there is an art to it. There's a lot of kind of behavioral psychology and price anchoring and kind of the art of persuasion. Because if you kind of go too hard, if you're like, listen, it's cost me so much money to be here, mm. and you know, you know, people are very reluctant to pay. On the other hand, if you don't ask for money, you don't get money, right? So that's yeah. the other thing. If you just stand there with a bucket, so that you've got to kind of find this middle ground. And and so I will basically say, look. If I charged you a ticket, it would have been 10, 15 pounds. So I'm going to ask for that because that's what the show's worth. And I'll do things like I won't use words like donate. Because I think if you say, oh, please donate at the end of the show, money yeah. goes down. Whereas if you say pay, that kind of anchors to. So there's lots yeah, of little not, tricks. Because they go, what am do. I? Are you healing sick kids? What am I donating mm-hmm. to? Yeah, well, quite yeah. exactly. So <laughs> I just say, look, it's just a different, a different system. What I'm doing for my show, my solo hour show, which is called Not Much, that's a slightly different system where you can buy a ticket if you want. So for £12, which is still very, very reasonable, that guarantees you a seat. And then if there's any seats left over, then you can come in for free and pay at the end. And so the the, the difference with that system is you don't have the indignity of staying in a queue 
hoping to get a seat if I'm particularly popular and you can never know if, if your show is going to be successful or not until you get up there really. Um, and then also, you know, there's a concession ticket too for a fiver. So if you want to reserve a seat for a fiver, you can, and then top What's up a fiver? More at the end. Five, five pounds, five pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's a concession? Job, sorry. Uh, yeah. concession, a concession yeah, seat is if you're unemployed or over the age of 60 or a student, you know, that there's, you know, people that, that deserve a discount. It's oh, very discount socialist in this country, actually. Look at this socialism. Wait, over you... 60 people, you treat the same as unemployed? Well, <laughs> I feel like our, over, our boomers would get upset. with. They get I mean, we're, that's a good, we're that's practically a good 60. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I should put a disclaimer. If you own property, you're, you, you don't get the discounted. Yeah, the, double. the boomers are the wealthiest people. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't understand. It's not like the old, you know, like the retire. What's the word for retiree? Um, the pensioners. It's not like yeah. pensioners in the old days where like these boomers today have more money than anybody. Well, they should pay more. Point. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> this isn't your uh yeah, your grandparents' grandparents. Yeah, yeah. Something- no, but anyway, look to, to, to kind of to, to round up, the fringe is wonderful. A lot of people do lose a lot of money because it's very easy to spend a lot of money on bad advertising and on on lots of kind of bad PR and and you know, there's a way of basically buying an audience if you want one. I d- tend not to make too much of a splash. I think I do get people that come back and see me every year. Um, I'm quite good at doing spots. So I'll do loads of compilation shows and then, you know, like a 10 minute spot. And I'll say, look, if you've enjoyed this, you can come and see me for an hour, hand out my flyers at the end. That That's a very good way of. So, of, of so there's a million audience. shows because for our audience who doesn't know much about this, Three and there's and a half million thousands. shows happening at all times around Edinburgh. Yeah. And you'll have your one hour show. It's just you. But then yeah. there's also shows. This was similar. I did the Melbourne one a couple of years ago. Yeah. There's, the, there's similar to where there'll be other shows where there's six acts on, almost like a New York City show where everybody's doing 15 mm. minutes. And so what you would do is run around and do spots on those. And almost that's advertised. You'll go kill for 10 or 15 minutes and then be like, hey, yeah. you want to see the full thing? Although, interestingly, like, I found that, that, that weirdly you shouldn't kill. I actually think the acts that absolutely annihilate those spots tend not to get people come and see their show because the audience are like, well, I've seen them now. Oh, you know, I've, wow. I've, I've so checked the ecology. <laughs> what is that? So, well, you I do, do poorly or you should do you should tease no, you, it. you should be no, you good, but not great. No, no, you do something different. So, for example, I, I won't just do straight stand up for 10 minutes because it's boring. I will basically do a sales pitch for the show. You know, I'll start a couple of the stories that are in the show, but don't give them the conclusion. Right. Or, you know, like I really <laughs> will. Like, uh, boring. Uh, right? <laughs> Hannah Gadsby. <laughs> How far into the story do you get? You're like, <laughs> well, you get you 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 um you know you kind of you edge them. You get get close enough, but you you don't don't uh, give them the and payoff. It's like a it's like a literal like a preview like a trailer. A literal, yeah, like, yeah, like exactly. Spider Man exactly. just did this in movie theaters. I, I, sizzle, I, 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 yeah, exactly. I I think if you just do, I mean, look, obviously everyone has their own methodology, but I found, I or sometimes that. I'll just kind of do like clowning for ten minutes. I'll just kind of do crowd work. I'll hand out my flyers while I'm on stage, talk about the show, just be silly. Basically, juggle. You know, I, I treat these spots as a bit of a <laughs> as a bit of a sales pitch, but it does work for me. It's amazing. And can I ask why? And then we'll get into Boris in a minute. uh, Speaking of clowning, he's not going anywhere. He's retired. um, (laughs) Why that person you mentioned at the beginning who says they get even if they sell everything out, they're going to lose money. Uh, Why? Why do it? I don't understand why people would do it that way. I understand why you would do it. Well, I think it's because I think it's less true these days. But the Edinburgh Fringe is the industry networking event like the, the, if you're a stand-up comedian and you're at the fringe you and you want to kind of play a game where you want the industry to see you as important 
Mm. Having a good show in a big prestigious venue and selling lots of tickets, even if you're hemorrhaging cash, is still seen as a kind of a badge of honor. And so I think if you if you want to, you know, if you're a foreign act and you want to get UK representation, uh, if you're a, a local act and you want to turn your show into a sitcom or a radio series or you want to tour it, there's basically no, there aren't that many shortcuts in this industry, but throwing a whole load of cash and spinning a roulette wheel is one of them. And I think it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is very good advice. It's, it's, it's generally like, I, th- I think generally it's a poor idea unless you know that's exactly what you're doing. Look, for some people, right? Some people, they have a day job. They've got loads of money because of a trust fund or whatever, right? right. They this just want to go and- privileged it, comedian move, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they want to go and improve their hour for, 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 you know, for doing the same show t- 25 days in a row. And I like, I'm, I'm generally of the view that like there shouldn't be any gatekeepers in entertainment. I don't like any of this kind of us versus them mentality. So you, if I if I adopt that viewpoint, I've got to adopt that viewpoint wholesale, which is if someone wants to just scratch an itch and go and put a show on at the fringe, even if it's dog shit and they've got no credibility as an act, we should let them do it. That's the point of an open access arts festival. Um, but but I mean, that's the thing, right? You know, we the audience benefits from there being prestigious venues and non-prestigious venues. You know, generally speaking, if you go to a certain venue hub, there's going to be a certain caliber of act. You know, so so there are a lot of kind of proxies um, that the audiences use to to determine quality. And I happen to be kind of at the free festival. It is slightly more open access. I mean, to be honest, the, the free festival I do, the Laughing Horse one, the guy that runs it, Alex, is a comedy fan and does try and put on good acts. Um, and, and, you know, he gets probably 10 applicants for every spot there is. So, um, you know, it's, it is still fiercely competitive, but I tend to be one of the better comics on the free festival. Um, and you know, maybe for, for me at my stage in, in my career, that's better than kind of being the act that no one's heard of at one of the big prestigious venues. Well, yeah. And also it sounds like if you just don't mentally buy into this idea that you need to pay a bunch of money to get recognition for you, then there actually is a way to make money. hundred percent. And, and, and the way to think about it is that this is the biggest arts festival in the world. There's three and a half thousand shows. You know, the population of Edinburgh literally doubles. Three and a half thousand shows. I didn't know that. Oh my God. Uh, The population of Edinburgh literally doubles during the course of the month. And there's a way of kind of thinking, Oh my God, I'm part, you know, the the brochure, the festival brochure is literally this thick for listeners. I'm um, showing the size of Turner's dick. Am I right? Hey, Um, (laughs) by the way, Kaplan just said that's a lot of comedy. It's not all comedy. No, it's, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. But but all the rest, frankly, there's all kinds of stuff. There yeah, are well, jugglers, yeah. right? And all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. The street performers. The street performers make the most money. Street performers yeah. make the most money. Um, street performers no... can have a festival. Like, do they have to pay for the venue? And No, that's the thing. They've got no overheads. <laughs> that's my that's corner. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yes, the way that I see it is if I'm in a hundred seater room, I've only got to worry about a hundred people that day. That's that. That's honestly my mentality. And actually, I don't even worry about that. I'm now at the stage where I will not even check ticket sales on the day and I will just rock up. Sometimes I won't even look at the room. I'll just Ooh. walk on from the wings and go, well, you're here, you know, whoever the audience is, that's my audience that day. There's <laughs> very little you. you can do. There's, I mean, you can fly. I mean, you can stand on the street and hand out flyers and I am quite good at it because I kind of do it in character. You know, I'll like be Ollie Horn, the comedian and be funny and approachable. Yes. And, um, yeah, and I can so, see you doing that well. But you're yeah, also but it's hard work. Not, so not a lot of comedians have, uh, not a lot of comedians are fun to talk to. Right. Mo- they're, they're most funny comedians on stage, but off stage. are weird and autistic and boring. <laughs> That's and right, they hide in a corner. And yeah. so just by having a personality at all, you're in like the top 
top five best dudes <laughs> to stand on the street corner and talk to random people. Yeah, I've not really thought about it that way, but you top are top five percent. You're right. I think you're like, right. Yeah, most comedians that their worst fear on earth is talking to someone one on one. They can talk yeah. to crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't like it. And I really do need to get in the mindset of like, well, I'm at work now. You know, like I'm I'm going to go and do my job of being a comedian. And you've kind of got to think of it from the perspective of the audience members that they've spent all this money traveling out to Edinburgh for the festival. And it is fun. It's fun to go to the Fringe and meet a comic in a queue and then go and see their show. It is fun to go and watch a comic do a spot, drop them a DM on Instagram and have casual sex with them is a That's message I'm trying, to, I'm trying to spread that message um yes <laughs> but i do yes, but I, 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 you've got to you know and also for, for an act who's not you know famous or, or doesn't really have much of a profile it's easy to forget that there are people like me for example i'm one of these people who enjoys discovering new comedians and so even if you're bottom of the pecking order you can still make someone's day by you know, whatever I'm doing really vibes with someone. It's exactly their sense of humor. They're excited to have seen me at a lineup show. They're like, oh, this guy, this is the kind of thing I'm wanting to see. And then they're going to go buy a ticket and have a great time. Okay, but I think you're underselling it here because if you're getting 100 people a night to come see your show, I've known plenty of people, even if you're getting 50 a night, I know, I've known plenty of people who've gone to Edinburgh and they can't get literally two people to come see their show yeah. they go yeah half the nights it was just you know my wife i was just performing for my wife <laughs> friends well, I've had the those. other half we had like def- six people no I've, no I've definitely had those um no i mean so my, how my... have you what have you done like how have you done it it's it's amazing and i, I well i, I have well cool. I mean, look we're, we're speaking speculatively here because every single year you've got a new you've got a brand new deck of cards right so you know there's just no guarantees um but is that how but, you make uh, your living doing doing the doing the festivals yeah, 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 hundred percent. And uh, but but so I but so but then I, you're clearly doing it successfully. But he I comes on vol- this podcast, and we <laughs> have lots of listeners. That's but I play a volume game. The trick is right. Honestly, the trick is I'm not doing one show a day. I'm doing well. Last year I was doing something mad like eight, but this year I'll do three or four. So basically, you know, if Eve, and, and it's the same as how it happened in Australia. To be honest, when I was in Australia for three for three months. I had a couple of wobbly ones. Let's put it that way. I, I had a couple of enough audience members in a couple of shows in Melbourne that I could have fitted them in an Uber XL and gone to a, <laughs> a successful show, right? Um, so those happen. But equally on those nights, I'm then playing to 150 people on one of my format shows. And so I, I just kind of, I take all the shows that I'm doing like a VC takes a portfolio of bets. Wow. Um, and so, but yeah, look, my, my solo show, put it this way. I do have faith in the product. You know, like I really do. I really care about the show and I know people who come will generally have a good time. And um, there's also just the kind of attrition I've been going back year after year. So audiences, audiences do come back. Also, I know how to spend marketing money relatively effectively. I'm not doing too much spending vis-a-vis the industry. I'm doing it vis-a-vis the public. So um, that means, you know, paying a flyering team to to hand out flyers mm. in the street rather than big billboards or, um, you know, money in industry magazines. Um, and But then also a lot of luck and also a lot of just me benefiting from I've done it long enough now that I get a good time slot. So my time slot 625 p.m. It's perfect. It's exactly the kind of time where I can attract locals who have finished work. Tourists yeah. who want to come and watch a show before dinner. If anyone's tuned in to listen to Boris Johnson, they must think he is really doubled down on the stand up. Um, (laughs) what last question what with this then we'll get to boris what festivals do you because there's these 
when I did the Melbourne thing, I wasn't doing my own show. I just went out. I stayed with Andy Curtin and That's I wanted to, to get a it. feel for what it was. So I bounced around, did spots around town. But I was I was meeting these comedians that they're like they knew each other. It's like the people who know each other from summer camp. Like they 100%. knew each, they knew each other from the previous. They were. Yeah, we were all in Adelaide last month and now we're in Melbourne and then we're going to the Sydney Festival and then there's one in Bulgaria for a yeah. month and then we're going to London or whatever. Edinburgh. I mean, the, 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 the network is kind of amazing. Do, and like, do you do uh, that whole work? Like yeah, whole- yeah, yeah, totally. So like, I was at the Brighton fringe uh, just a couple of weeks ago and an Italian act that I last, that I last saw on tour in Barcelona. Then before that outside of tent in Adelaide, then before that, you know, like these yeah. people just crop up. And actually one of the reasons, one of the kind of, one of the reasons I enjoyed doing stand up is obviously for the lifestyle, you get to travel a lot. But one of the things I like most about the festival lifestyle is you do, it almost feels like being on a campus uni, you know, like you're just bumping into people all the time. And, you know, you know, and I really like the fact that I've got a small gang of comic friends who will all do each other's shows. And if there's a, you know, if I'm doing a show and there's a dropout, there'll be a WhatsApp group of a load of comics that will all, you know, be helping each other out. Obviously you're, I'm kind of a lone wolf, particularly for my solo show. I do most of it myself. I do have a production company and people that, that I work closely with and, um, you know, and I couldn't do it without them. However, uh, you know, 95% of the work on the ground is me, but it's nice that I'm doing that with half a dozen other people who are also doing 95% of the work themselves for their shows. I mean, it's crazy. These people, so you, they're, they're 12 months a year at the, they spend a month. Oh, I'm not 12, so I'm six. So, so my, my, yeah, my, my plan is Ed, Edinburgh for a month, Brighton for a month, and then Perth for a month, Adelaide for a month, Melbourne for a month. That takes me to, to, to half a year. That's wild. Man. Wow. Yeah. They were all like blown away. I wasn't doing it too. I'm like, I, I have a, I have to family. I got a wife. Yeah. <laughs> I got to well, go home so. at some point. You can get rid of them. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's what these guys were when, saying. Great midlife crisis mood. Just hit the tour. Well, I must right, say, let's... actually, the, the acts that do have have a have a, a wife and kids, they do find this lifestyle pretty tough. And also, and this this might not be a particularly pleasant thing to say, but I'm 31 years old, playing age 28, and <laughs> and and it's um like now it's really fun, and I you know I, I don't have a wife, I don't have kids <laughs> that I know of. My right, that you know and, of, yeah. <laughs> my right. uh, so and and so this guy it, knows it, what I'm talking about. And so it works yeah. for me now. It's fun now. But I do think this lifestyle in 10 years is like is challenging. And right. this lifestyle in 15 20 forever. years is a bit yeah. pathetic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you're gonna you know, I fine line between you'll figure something out between now and then. I mean, you're you're oh you're I'll get well, I'll be wildly thing. successful. I'll have so much money. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. It's Thanks, almost man. I mean, should we just do a break? <laughs> 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 Congratulations on all your success. <laughs> on all your success that happened 15 years from now. That's right. In the next 10 years. Yeah. So we know it's coming. Should we take a break now, Kaplan? And then and we're yeah, all just, so. just chatting part about. of an extra episode. Nah, who cares? We, here, here, we, you're always off the record. This anyway, we talk about you know the politics every single week. And I thought that we also are an international show. We're comedians. We're talking about comedy. I literally don't know anyone. And I say, I mean, literally, who's made a single dollar at the Edinburgh Festival. I don't think he'd mind me saying this because he used to say it publicly. But the first time Ari Shafir was already pretty well known in the U.S. Mm. He had a show on Comedy Central. He went to Edinburgh and lost $7,000. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so <laughs> he went back the next year and he did yeah. the free, free Fringe. That's what you're doing. 
And he was like, oh, yeah, it was like a much better time. Yeah, you didn't have to worry man. about anything. And he was a relatively big name in the U.S. And he was losing money. So he's such a nice guy as well, isn't he? He is. He's a great dude. Yeah. yeah and but, uh, yeah, pay money to make money. Right? I don't know. I mean, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> well, just to I be guess. clear, I mean, look, my first couple of years, yeah. I wasn't making money. I mean, you know, it does. It does. It does take time. But the is, is, is there anything stopping like a rich? Well, if you're some rich kid who wants to be a comedian, what's stopping you from just renting out? And like, is there a, is there any? Well, that's exactly. Well, I, but I was lucky that well, I. I mean, I, I had. You can do I that in New York. York. <laughs> that's true. I guess I had. I had money from from Japan. I was earning decent money in Japan. Uh, you know, because the media paid all right then, and I had my own business. So you know, when I first started doing the festivals in 2017, 2018, I wasn't going with any kind of financial imperative. Yeah, it's a good place to be. You got to have a little money to lose when you get there. But no, Kaplan, that's New York City. I mean, these there's comedians who just and rent if I can out, ask like, the question, is there right. anyone is there anyone really better to invest in than yourself? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Parafan. What's the great Daniel Parafan has a joke where he says, uh, "People say you got to spend money to make money, but believe me, there's an extra step in there somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's nice. Which is one of my favorite jokes of all time. That's really yeah. nice. <laughs> but all right, let's think. take a break. We are part of the world's smartest podcast network. That is us. That is the uh, Lost in America. That is the Political Orphanage with Andrew Heaton. And that is the Majoring in Everything podcast with Dr. Andrea Jones Roy. You can find all of us at worldsmartestpodcastnetwork.com. And yep. now, a word from your local sponsor. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Thank you, sponsors. I'm surprised you're still with us since you did that episode last week without me. I know a lot of the sponsors probably were ready to you drop You didn't want to be on the show. <laughs> Catlin was I too mean, big for the show. He said, I got to go sell this house. This lady has a bag full I of did, cash. I didn't, didn't sell it. She ended up lying about the cash. 
<laughs> well, then, that's, oh, man. You, there was no bag full of cash? So, no bag. No what bag. What was in the bag? Just the dirty was, undies? Did was, Big Lebowski you? A bunch of pens. <laughs> she just said, uh, yeah. she Lebowski'd me. So just, uh, but that's anyway. thank you didn't do the show. Well, thank you, the sponsors, for, for, for supporting us, even when I'm not there. So Yeah, and also, we have no idea if there'll be sponsors. We drop that in later. So if no one's there, we know why. They wanted to <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, let's get into Boris Johnson as we promised 30 minutes ago. We would, yeah, we're uh, back to Boris. What, so what, what did we miss there, Ollie, in, in our kind of synopsis of him, of how he went down? It seems like he was a video came out recently that he was partying in 2020. No, this is all- uh, you're, you're wrong. Okay. Uh, and isn't it good? This is like my third or fourth time on here. So I really feel like I can just call out some of your ignorance. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we wanted to be called no, out. This, this is not doing. the energy I would have brought to the first time on this show. But Jesus, <laughs> guys, do some cursory research. Um, <laughs> I, I, to honest, I haven't done it this time. Um, so Boris Johnson, right? The reason why he's in the news now is he's no longer a member of parliament. So actually, one thing you did get right is there's a difference, right, between being the prime minister, the PM, and an MP. And the, the, the That's weird... That's confusing. Can I say that? That MP and PM... Same letters. Because especially if you're, you know, you mix them dyslexic. up. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I can totally imagine, you know, p- people that, you know... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine there's also a way to learn the difference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, right, I didn't realize I had to start my analysis with the alphabet. But <laughs> I'm just saying in a world of sensitivity now, we need to be sensitive to the dyslexic people. They're going to get true. a letter soon. The L, it doesn't They shouldn't be getting a letter. That's the last thing they need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so so the, the, the system in the UK is, in a parliamentary democracy, you have a bunch of elective representatives, which are your members of parliament, each representing a constituency, and a constituency is um is just a, a geographic area of broadly similar proportions and each party will put up a candidate in each constituency right generally speaking right and there's like 600 MPs of that the 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 party which has the most number of MPs in parliament can then form a government and what that means is they're like look we think we can run this place because we've got enough people in the house who can vote through our um, our, our policies, right? So that's kind of how it works. And that's how you get things like a hung parliament where there aren't enough to form a majority. So you need to come up with a deal where two parties will say, hey, look, well, together we can form a government because we've got just got over the necessary threshold. And so Boris Johnson, one of the, the things that he's done very well is he increased the Conservative Party majority. So if you remember Theresa May, she went yeah. um, and did an election and then she lost um, she, she she lost seats. Um, Boris Johnson, when when he was up against Jeremy Corbyn, who represented mm. um, uh, uh, the left wing of the Labour Party, the left yeah. wing of the Labour Party, and was very unpopular um, for, for, for reasons that I don't quite understand. But basically, Boris Johnson had a very easy election head to head with Jeremy Corbyn. So he had a really big majority. And so the reason that he's in the news now is nothing to do with his time as prime minister, really. It's to do with him and his um, it's to do with him as a member of parliament. The, the privileges committee, uh, which is a group of MPs made up from all different parties, um, have, have published a report. And it was on the basis of this report that he resigned. So we've got to go through a couple of different steps to understand how we got to this story. Number one, what's the privileges committee? Well, the privileges committee is made up of 
MPs. And that means that it's not a partisan thing. It's not like the opposing parties doing this. It's not like his people are doing this. It's made up of people who are representative from across the House. And it actually had a Conservative Party majority. So yeah, actually, in power. Well, yeah. exactly. So and, and these these committees are are. are a very standard thing, you know, there's committees about all sorts of things and they're there to advise the house. Right. So the idea is that some MPs, because MPs are supposed to be non-specialists, right. They're just people who are elected. They don't necessarily have any special training or expertise. And so, um, so what happened is uh, a committee was, was, was set up um, in order to investigate the so-called party gate. Right. And the video that you mentioned of all those people dancing, that's one example of rules being broken by uh, people associated with the Tory party. But Boris Johnson wasn't actually implicated in that particular one. So the reason why this why, why, why this committee was set up was one of the unique things about the way that the Houses of Parliament works is they will basically be in charge of their own conduct and discipline. So the idea is that if an MP has done something wrong, it's up to the other members to decide what the punishment for that should be. And that can be something like a suspension. It could be something like, um, you know, having to apologize to the house. Um, but it's, and the, the committee ultimately recommended that Boris should be suspended for 90 days. And that meant that if you're suspended from the house over a certain threshold and 90 days is, is way beyond that threshold, that then triggers a necessary by-election. Because if you're at, if you're suspended from the house, if you can't do your job as, a, as an MP, then it makes sense that you've then got to go back to the polls. So that's that, that's the kind of the, 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 the bird's eye, um, you know, that's how we got here um, this week. What Boris did was he got the report. So as, as a matter of kind of professional courtesy, they sent him the report he reportedly said, according to one source, well, I'm fucked. And so then decided to resign rather than suffer the humiliation and indignity of having his colleagues. And, and most of the, you know, there was only seven people, I think, who voted against it in the end. Because basically the committee produces this report and it's very well done. It's very, very clearly. I've not read it yeah. all, but the bits I've read are very, very um, clearly written. A lot of research has gone into it. A lot of time has clearly gone into it. And it's basically the House saying, well, we believe that the committee has done a reasonable job. It's not about making a value judgment on the findings so much as just, you know, we believe we 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 asked the committee to do a job and we're now approving this committee has done their job. You know, it's not about the committee saying could be this, could be that. The committee has made a decision on behalf of the House and this is the House rubber stamping it. And and Boris just didn't want that indignity. So in the end, it did go to a vote. Um, a couple of notable things. The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, abstained, showing pretty poor, a pretty poor moral compass, really. He should have said, well, look, if the report said what it said, which is Boris Johnson lied to the House, um, and there's a there's a convention that, that the word lie is not supposed to be used. Um, it's supposed to be, you, you've got to use the word misled to be misled, polite. Misled, yeah, that's the more um, proper. And so Boris Johnson did lie to the House. Lie. And, and and the, the the point is that lying to the house has got to be has got to be a really severely bad thing to do. You know, previous MPs have resigned on the basis that they've lied to the house, sorry, misled the house, and they're not updated the record quickly enough, right? Because the whole point is, if you're having a debate inside the chamber, you've got to believe what your colleagues are saying, right? And, so and there's no lies other- when they're debating. There's no. Misleading. Well, exactly. And, and there's also loads of secondary rules like, you know, you've got to be able to tell the truth. And there's there's rules about um, libel, for example, that if you're saying it, 
if you're saying it in the Houses of Parliament, then you're protected by parliamentary privilege. So, for example, you can say things in the House that you couldn't say outside the House. So the, the whole point is lying is really, really serious. And if you do make a mistake, as happens, you're supposed to update the record quickly. So this whole report was basically about Boris Johnson said some stuff as an MP, but also as a prime minister, which makes it more serious. But basically, this is about him as, as an MP. He said some stuff in the House of Commons about the COVID parties, right? You know, the 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 the, the socialising um, and the break, breaking of the COVID rules. This is not about punishing him for breaking those rules. That was dealt with by the police. Well, no, not very well, it seems, because now more evidence has come to light. But instead, this was about he was asked questions: were there parties? And his responses were lies. He was saying things like, I was told, you know, that that guidance was followed. Well, the committee report says you knew what the guidance was (laughs) and you were at these fucking parties, right? (laughs) Put two and two together, you fucking moron, right? If they could use language like that, they would have done. It's not the crime, it's the cover up, as they say. I did not have sex with that woman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know what? And there's a really interesting counterfactual, right? What if. If Boris Johnson was asked the question, was there parties? And he said, oh, well, yes, it was a very stressful time. And, 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 and I apologize unequivocally. He would have got so much political shit, but he would still be in power. Yeah, I And also know. a lot of people would have been like, who cares at this point? It's over. If he just yeah. apologized and told the truth, probably. And, yeah. and, and, it's, and what's interesting is he, Boris Johnson isn't prime minister because he lost the confidence of his party, right? The reason that he eventually went was, I don't remember the number, 45 or 50 of his MPs um, basically said to him they don't, you know, they're, they're resigning from government. So, 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 they, and what's interesting is we don't really know what the final scandal was. It was, it could have been to do with expenses. It could have been to do with um, some of his policies. It could have been to do, to do with how he handled a couple of sex scandals. Wasn't there a was, sex scandal, like a Me Too type thing you didn't handle? Well, there, was well a, there was a couple. There was a guy called Chris yeah. Pincher who Boris apparently called Pincher by name, Pincher by nature. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and Boris didn't handle didn't handle that very well. Oh, not a nature reference. Yeah. There was um, there was low, there was low. Obviously, obviously, all the party gate stuff played a part. But <laughs> but the point is, Boris basically couldn't hang on with all of his MPs. So you know what my had, favorite? Yeah. Oh, sorry. go ahead, Cap. I was just gonna say my favorite thing you say not handling it well was I saw I read that he. He said that they took pictures. They had an official photographer at some of these parties. So that's proof that they thought they weren't doing anything wrong. It was like, because why would they take pictures if they thought they were doing something wrong? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, well, it's, they had yeah, video. There was video. video, video too. Saw. And <laughs> but, in the video, I'll just say that I was saying this to Kaplan off air, but the video of one of these like uh, members of parliament COVID parties. In so so mind, the, the video, the video that's just come out, we ought to be, be clear. This isn't actually oh. to do with Johnson. It's to do with, Someone who was running to be mayor of London as as the Conservative candidate, so and these it are was two different stories. Well, yeah, I mean, but they're linked in the sense that there was a culture, there was a right. culture amongst the, the Tories that, that the rules didn't really apply to them, and it's also linked because the guy's called Sean Bailey. Weirdly enough, Boris Johnson gave him a, an honor when he left. So, what's very interesting is mm. all the all the people who have come out in support of Boris Johnson. Uh, publicly in the last week, all and this is pure coincidence. All of them have had some kind of title given to them, you know, sir, or you know, you know, one of these like, um, you know, resignation honors. Sure, and that's pure coincidence. I mean, in the U.S., you become uh, anyone who 
is a big donator or funder of a political campaign eventually becomes an ambassador to some to a country that doesn't like matter exactly exactly well, exactly well <laughs> these parties were were not fun is what you're right they were just like they well i was gonna late. say yeah. that the party that at least the video that just came out about the party in my mind, this would I'm thinking like it's going to be an eyes wide shut type scenario. Yeah. If you're going to break gonna COVID protocol, you're going to go <laughs> and everyone's going to be attractive. Having and sex then and doing you drugs. You look at it and it's essentially it's the, the it's the office. It's like David <laughs> it Brent. Is. It it's is. just this boring paper. Like mill. We have cake for someone's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a Everybody, punch bowl. Everyone in the conference room, give a toast. <laughs> the stuff it's I hated like, about working. That's why I was happy with the lockdown. So what you're trying to say is, if the parties were cool, at least they'd be defensible. If they were like yes, snorting coke on someone's that. tits, at least 100%. you'd be like, well, you, look, you broke the rules, but at least you broke them with. It's like when Magic Johnson yeah. got AIDS. He said, "Well, a life yeah. were well lived. At least he did it in style." Well, that's not what Isaiah Thomas said, but still, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, that was the most shocking to me. Can I ask this? So did Boris, I, maybe I understood you wrong, but the people who had to vote him out or who, who had to agree that he lied or whatever were his own, from his own party? Yes. A so number this of is, them? So this is the mad thing that um, this was, so you know, you know we talked about how it's the, the, the party which has the most number of MPs is in power because they can persuade their MPs to vote a certain way. Right? Sure. You know, so if there's a policy, you're like, look, we're all voting on this. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah. For these issues to do with the House, the governing of the House, it has to be a free vote. So it's not like the Conservative Party could say, we've got to support Boris Johnson because he's one of our members. right? And in fact, Rishi Sunak definitely didn't do that. Um, so what's interesting is, yeah, loads and loads and loads of Conservative MPs approve this report. But we've got to be clear that like th this isn't, this isn't really the, the vote seems really important, right? But actually, the damage was already done when the terms of the report, when the terms of the inquiry were set, because this was basically the the it, it was the MPs saying a small group of us are going to investigate, and we're going to trust them to do this investigation properly, right? Mm. So, so the so the point is that it wasn't like it's not like like the the MPs are some kind of jury. You know, looking to 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 weigh up some facts. All the facts were written there. You know, the the report was just, pretty robust. Even with that, I just don't see that ever happening in the U.S. Like we had a guy, George Santos, who's from um, Long Island, New York, who's a uh, in the House. <laughs> He's a low level international. <laughs> I guess a mid level politician. He's and a member of it's the same thing. He's like a member of the Congress. Essentially he's, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's like yeah. our version of a member of Parliament, and he's a Republican. And everything it came after he got elected, every it came out that his everything about him fake. was a lie. His name yeah. was a lie. Uh, he's wanted he's, in Brazil on um, on criminal charges. Well, he pretended to be Jewish. He pretended to, to be talk Jewish. to Holocaust survivors. He said his he's grandparents died in the Holocaust. His grandparents didn't. They lived out yeah. their days in Brazil as fine people. He uh, <laughs> he, he he said that he went to graduated from this school. He never went to. He said he played on the volleyball team. He never did. Still not as I think only one or two member uh, prominent Republicans out of there, hundreds. There were some that did. But yeah, in. yeah. Most most just said, no, he's fine. Keep him in because he he's in elected. a seat. Yeah, because he's, he's in a one of their own. It's it's shocking to me. Well, he's also because he's a, yeah. do, do you know what? I, I actually think the similarities are greater than you think, because Boris Johnson benefited from this effect. Remember that, you know, way back in 2019, People knew that he was having these scandals. You know, they knew that he had, you know, like he he literally couldn't answer a journalist question. How many children do you have? Right. So, like, they knew <laughs> that he was like that he was like how many he, fingers do I have? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, so, 
and you know and he, and he was his record of you know he, he's been um sacked from multiple jobs for having lied you know he like his record was pretty clear that he was a total buffoon he he basically it, it's a matter of record that he joined the brexit um referendum campaign on the side of uh, of of leave because he thought that would be the most politically expedient. Yeah, he wrote letters for both, right? He wrote like an op-ed or something for both pieces. Exactly. Based, based so, on, and then he saw which one. So actually, the reason that the Tory party adopted him um, as they did, and the reason why he absolutely trounced his opponents in the leadership election was for that exact reason, that they thought he was a winner. You know, they thought that he was someone who he won the, the, the mayoral elections, he won the Brexit campaign, and in a way, they were right. You know, he did. He went to the polls and the Tories had a big jump. Now, you could attribute some of that to the weakness of the opposition. You could attribute that right. to all sorts of things. But the truth is, the, the Tory party gave him a huge benefit of the doubt. And in fact, there wasn't even a benefit of the doubt. They knew he was rotten. Many of them knew that. But they thought, well, at least he's a winner. He's no longer a winner. You know, he, right. The polls he, changed, right? So that's exactly. What it on. And, yeah. and, and but the polls changed within the party within his MPs and also publicly too. And I think he couldn't survive scandal after scandal after scandal. And, um, you know, th there's no doubt that that the current government under Rishi Sunak, who remember was his chancellor, they were working closely together, you know? Um, so, so, you know, there's no, there's no doubt that there isn't a scandal du jour as there was with, with, with Johnson, but yeah, you're right now. He's no longer, um, he's no longer seen as a winner. Um, he, he's, he's, just not, you know, he doesn't need his merry band of of loyalists anymore. There's a small number of absolutely batshit insane people, the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg, who looks like he's just been lifted straight from the Beano. Um, Nadine Doris, who is like, just like, just inspiration. Sounds like professional wrestler thing. names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to, <laughs> Nadine well, I mean, yeah. Doris. She's, she, uh, yeah, she, she's, she's astonishingly thick. Um, and you know she yeah. was like she was promised to um to go in that she was promised a peerage she was promised a place in the House of Lords by Boris Johnson and is shocked that um she also is the subject of one of his lies. So, okay, so I mean I think the lesson and that that applies and it to this applies politics. to Trump as well with Mar-a-Lago the whole scandal. I, with, yeah. yeah, just a second, Cap. I think that it, it applies to American politics as well. The lesson here is that once you're not a winner anymore, the party's done with you. They don't. Well, isn't that but true for life a, generally? That's true for the entertainment industry too. Yeah, if you're a winner, they'll support you till the very end and they'll get you. But if you're not, they're done with you. Um, and so what I had read something about that he had lost the North and that they had lost the North. And some, there's something that's very important about the North, but I don't totally understand what it is. What is that? Why do we why do they why do British politicians need the, the vote of the North to win? Well, elections, I, 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 well, I don't I don't know. Um... I don't know if that's necessarily true, and and it depends. What, what do you mean by north? By north, you mean Scotland, or you mean the north of England? I believe it was the north of England, although I could. Yeah, be I mean, so so, so it was areas that they don't usually win. I think is what you said. Yeah, okay. So Tories so, won so last time. If you look at a map of the of the UK, which I encourage you to do, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you look at a map of the UK, you'll see that there's um, there's pockets of very obviously Labour seats, and there's pockets of very obviously Tory seats. And historically, there was a kind of there was a, a couple of obvious ones like London tended to be Labour in the most part. Um, and a lot of the rural agricultural communities tended to be Tory conservative. And generally, the 
the areas which were most affected by Margaret Thatcher's policies, Margaret Thatcher being a conservative yeah. yes. politician, um, you know that? went Labour and then never went back. So, you know, so these are typically some of the poorer parts of the UK, uh, the yeah. ones who relied heavily on um, on post-industrial revolution trade. And Scotland, right? I mean, which were then and yeah. then Scotland's interesting because, you know, Scotland, um, th- th- there are a lot of, a lot of conservatives in Scotland, but also there's the Scottish national party, which took a lot of those votes. Um, they- they've got their own scandals at the moment too, but ba- basically in order to win an election, the, the parties focus on the swing seats, just like in the U S they focus on the swing States. Um, and I think, Gen- I think these demographics are changing and often MPs will win with literally thousands of votes in it. You know, we're not talking about tens of thousands. We're talking about, I think, Boris's own seat in Uxbridge, he only had a majority of seven, eight or nine thousand. You know, so oh. it's it's very, very easy oh. to, yeah, they're, they're very, very small margins. And some people say that the electoral system's a bit stupid because we're not proportionally representative. That is to say, you could have a hundred thousand votes for a party spread across a load of constituencies and they count for nothing because none of those reach the threshold. You know, so right. some parties are quite um, tactical. They'll so you can have a national majority, but not an, but not win. Is what you're saying, right? Because, yeah, that's definitely yeah. possible. Actually, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened, but it's definitely unfair on the smaller parties. And the reason we have this system is it it, it was historically seen that it's good governance if there's big block, you know, if there's a big party in charge and a big um, opposition party, and then a couple of you know fringy ones. Um, I, I think it's probably. I mean, the whole thing was we we wouldn't want a coalition government. You know, it's better to not have one. But actually, history's shown us that coalition governments can work just fine. Yeah, they can also be crazy, though. We've learned from many of the countries we've talked to. <laughs> yeah, of course. Countries yeah. after, you know, Israel and others, where they form a coalition in these parliaments. And so, uh, yeah. is the election, when is the next election going to happen? Is that? It has to happen in the next, oh, that's a good question. It has to happen in the next 18 months, I think. I actually know a couple of my... Um, contemporaries at university are going to be candidates so maybe oh. i can introduce you to your first ever mp yeah oh, let's really? have some uh, on the air we can uh... um when is the next uk election i'll just google second of may 2024 is is the is when it um okay so according to the fixed terms parliaments act there has to be an election every five years it's up to the prime minister to to choose when that might be because it might be beneficial for them to hold it sooner. That, they might want to stall, that. right? Because they're behind. Yeah, so yeah, much yeah. Of them. Or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They want to wait till people feel rich or the weather's good or whatever. Um, but no <laughs> later than twenty eighth of January, twenty twenty five. So so pretty soon. And the, it, it's it's good. basically England. a given. I think that um, Labour will win. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be the same as as the Labour victory in. Um, in 1997 where it was a, a kind of a victory of hope and optimism and excitement Blair. I think people yeah people believed in the blair project i don't think there's such thing as the starmer project i think it's more um you know that, that people have said to the tories you've had a really good go you've had 14 years <laughs> yeah. you fucked up you fucked up everything there's nothing left <laughs> we, to fuck up we gave you so many chances to stop yeah. fucking up. 14 years and this of is one the, party it's crazy so right long. and the conservative I know, party and, but we get tricked of course because we, we keep pretending that that this idea of having a new prime minister means that everything's different, you know? So Theresa May was a fresh start and uh, Liz Truss, remember her? Was a fresh <laughs> yeah, start. Yeah, we did a whole episode. on her. <laughs> she was <laughs> out uh, two Whoops. days later. <laughs> Proportionately, the amount of content we produced on her is like, is unfit for the historical uh, significance yeah. of her. 
we probably have the most like it'll be in the library of congress our podcast we did on her <laughs> right, no one has more inf- no one did a more exa- exhaustive search research <laughs> what, I, la- what I really like about her is that um she was recently reported to say that she didn't think that being compared to a lettuce was funny i was like well mm. now you think that is even funnier <laughs> <laughs> So what is can Boris be arrested for lying to lying to the parliament or what what's the actual I, Do you know what? No, he can't. That's the funny thing. It's mm. it's it's parliament's rules. So parliament's Safe rules space. are basically they can choose their punishment. They've said your punishment is going to be the most severe punishment uh that we can that we can offer and that 90 day suspension. <laughs> exactly. I mean I, I, I'm sure they could have <laughs> Don't forget Double they would have had to yeah, it's not John Moran here. This is <laughs> yeah, so um, all they can now he's no longer an MP. That the, they've got they've got no authority over him anymore, right? Because it's, this isn't a police matter; it's a it's an MP matter. What they have done is they've recommended that his um, his access card is revoked, so he now can't as a former MP. He can't um, he, he can't go back. He can't get classified information. Like well, I don't. Know, I actually don't know. <laughs> Why you'd want to go back? I mean, that's not. Isn't that like going back to your old school? <laughs> yeah, you know, access to, card. <laughs> isn't there a scene from The Office where like David Brent goes back after he's already left Wernham Hog, and it's just cringe? Yes, yeah, that could. See, but I could still see him doing it. But just um, so speaking of coming back, do you think? Because we were we were reading something about how maybe Boris Johnson after Labour wins, because you're predicting they're going to win, then the, the the Tories say, "Well, we, Boris, we're a winner with Boris," and they bring him back into the fold. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, so that's that's the thing about um, this stupid suspension that he can go back and be an MP at any point he wants. You know, that he can just go to a different seat. But I think like Boris is going to make his money by like Boris is not very good at creating things from scratch, is he? He just goes into existing institutions and and um, and and kind of messes them up. So I think um, he will thrive in opposition. You know, he he mm-hmm. he, he likes yeah. being an opposition um, figure. He, yeah, he might even he might run for mayor of London again. I think that's plausible. I mean, being the outsider is always an easier position because you, all you have to say is what these people are doing is wrong. Oh yeah, and much exactly. easier. You know, much and I just read some very do. exciting news. He uh, apparently is about to start, or maybe he already started a weekly column with the Daily Mail. Oh, oh yeah, and and the, the the first one someone rumored might have been written by ChatGPT. Couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even bother doing that. I thought you were going to say he has a spot at the Fringe Festival coming up. That was going to be his new gig. But. Oh, he should. <laughs> he's going to make loads of money on this on the speaker <laughs> circuit. I think he's going to be fine. Street be performer. Right. He's going to yeah. make yeah. it. The Daily Mail. Um, well, my wife reads wor- that. So don't I'll worry get all about the- Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> we work very. We were going to start asking for money from our patrons for Boris, but I guess we will we'll hold off. <laughs> What? Like, I mean, so there's what so about... much seedy stuff. There's all the stuff with like the Russian money as well that we haven't talked about. He is but a pretty he... bad. What's guy. the Russian money? Because I thought he was pretty good on Ukraine. I thought that was the one thing that he. Well, he well, he, he was good on Ukraine, but also he did his party was basically funded by, um, by a load of of dodgy Russian money, and he went. He would he would go on secret holidays um, and go and meet like um, former KGB agent sons, and that's all. That's all fine. Just by coincidence, he ends with them. <laughs> Fun holiday. What? Um, back to you for a second. Are you so when you go every year? I'm sure this is a question you've had a million times, but you are doing a new hour every every Fringe Festival. Yeah. So and- last year, last year I didn't because I um I had a, just a I had a bunch of personal stuff go on because we are people uh, behind the masks, mm. and uh, the so public I, forgets that. Yeah, yeah, guys, can I just? 
just give me a bloody break. Like you famous comedians, <laughs> I can't imagine. Just like um, us. So I'm ju- guys, I'm I'm just like you. Um, <laughs> I hear uh, no, actually, you're like me. I um <laughs> so last year I didn't take a new hour. I wrote a bunch of new material and did that, did like a split hour. But yeah, this is a brand new show. The show is called Not Much, and it's an hour of stories about all the bad gigs I've had to do. Um, and- how are you gonna fit it in an hour? <laughs> <laughs> by the way if any of those involve me i'm suing um uh, but you know what there's really rich pickings in asia but they're so i mean i am the, the show ends on a story where it was an asian gig where the promoter died two hours before the gig and it was in a brothel and that like do you know um, that promoter turner oh of course i know that promoter <laughs> that's um, I, I would imagine john no. no 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 oh no. there's a lot of brothels in asia died in a brothel <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, no, but no, no. no I don't know. If, I don't know gigs. if Atherton died. I'll tell. I'll tell you off. In, in, actually, I've, did, I've had to. I've had to change, change the names and locations die. in the story. He's a great story. man. I don't want to get. I already I have the Malaysians was... all over me right now because oh, I tweeted course. a picture of me and uh, Jocelyn, Jocelyn. Chia hanging out, and I said, "Interpol, come and find us." Oh boy, and incredible! They went bananas. So we're gonna lose our Malaysian air sponsors as well. Now. I do love John. I worked with John plenty of times. He's a great man. Okay, continue. Uh, yeah, so so that's so so basically, it's it is a brand new hour. But I don't, you know, so I've done three, I've, I've taken five shows to the festival in my name, and three of those have been kind of brand new hours. Because the first one I did like a forty-five minute version, then took it back the next year ready. Uh, but okay. uh, this year, brand new. If anyone's if anyone comes and, and sees the show, they won't have seen it bef- any of it before, um, unless they've obviously seen me do previews. And and I'm just doing the show a lot, so I've already previewed it in Australia. Um, over the next couple of weeks, I've got a preview. Well, I'm not sure when this is going out. What does a tomorrow. preview mean? Well, well it means it, it, it's the show, but you're allowed to be shit. So, right, you're so- allowed to make mistakes. <laughs> it's like they do that with Broadway shows. They're like, the show's in previews. And yeah. Like, you Technically, see the show I right think now. it means oh. reviewers aren't allowed to review it unless they say they saw it in preview. Oh, um, right. you do, what you're giving to the Australian people is like a is worse sh- version of what you're going to be giving. Well, actually, Brits. well, it's funny. So no, so I, I take I take both shows. So I did last year's touring show, which was as best as it's ever been. Actually, I was really annoyed because I filmed the show, then did it a bunch of times in Australia and made it way better. And I'm like, well, you know, that's that's that. Oh, um, yeah. But then, then in Adelaide, I did a week of work in progress, and work in progress happens before preview. So work in progress is, oh. I would literally <laughs> take shit. no. Yeah, I take, yeah, I take notes on stage. And I used to say to audiences in Adelaide, I was like, listen, I've got to write a new show somehow and I've got to eat shit. And so I thought, why not do it um, in a place where the stakes couldn't be lower? Uh, and <laughs> I start my show by telling them. But, you know, you charge very little money for, the, for, for these shows. And also what's interesting is the audience that comes to them tends to be great because they know what they're getting into. You know, no one's expecting the the polished thing because you, you you market it as a work in progress yeah, so you right. get real comedy nerds that enjoy watching you you know working they enjoy out the, lines. Pro- the process yeah yeah and and, and I, i'll i'm re- i really commit to it you know i will go on stage with a bunch of notes and i will kind of bat myself in corners and you know try and get out of them and and a lot of the structure of the show just happens that way but also you just come out with brilliant lines you know you just come up with analogies on the spot and it yeah. just forces your mind to work in a different way. What well, goes it back is, to the idea scary. of you being like a funny person, you know? Versus right. That can terrify comedians. some people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And do you know what's interesting? I, I've, I've just read a book for a, a comedian friend called Adam Bloom, who's publishing a book in the next couple of months called The Perfect Punchline. And, I, and when it's out, I highly recommend you, you, you buy it. Um, it's a wonderful book. And one of the things that he says is, and I think he's absolutely right, comedians are so obsessed with material. Right. Because when we start out, it's all about writing jokes. But 
the material is only there to present the comedian. The comedian's not there to present their material. Mm. And I think it's such an important distinction that, that's easily lost. Um, I think comedy is now mostly about starting a cult. And yeah. then everyone well, loves yeah, you. I, Someone just explained to me that the other day. They're like, listen, the way all these comedians now, you know, you get your army of people and then your online your army podcast and <laughs> Schultz and the, the Jared, is it Jared Schultz? Whatever is Schultz name. What? Andrew Schultz. A- Andrew Schultz and, yeah. uh, and Adam Carolla and these people, they have this Where, where's ar- our army? army of legion of fans and they'll support them. I'm like, so you mean being a cult leader? Like you got to be inspirational. You got to be like Joe Rogan and you tell them how to think well, and what to I do. do. I, I do have this theory that, that, like, that I just want to tell the jokes. comics. Yeah, but that's not enough anymore. <laughs> there's your first mistake. Those days are gone being funny. <laughs> the yeah. comics who, um, the comics who tend to do well in that regard are the ones who consistently have a point of view that their audience can say, I like this person and that is my bundle of views and opinions and values. Yeah, and just like, like cult leaders do the same yeah, well, thing. Well, yeah, but I mean, a nice way of thinking about David it. David Koresh like is hilarious. Right? Now drink this cooler. <laughs> you know, like, like, like if you think about Apple, you know, Apple products, the reason that Apple do adverts is not just to sell their products but also to remind people who aren't apple users or even to remind other apple users these are the values of this product mm. and so and so i think that that the comics which tend to be doing well are the ones who have a set of values which their fans can point and go that's what i think you know this this mm. is this is um and i i don't i don't think i have strong enough opinions about anything that i can kind of rally against something but it does seem to be quite lucrative it does seem very good. There's yeah. this lady, Turner, get uh, some Chrissy Mayer. She stormed mm. the Capitol, and that seems <laughs> to be her. on January 6th. That <laughs> seems to have so done love. very well for her career Maybe recently. that's what I should do. Uh, yeah, storm a Capitol. Do something. Yeah, be, be unique. Well, specifically our <laughs> Capitol. I don't think anyone cares if you storm the Capitol of Bangladesh. That we can't storm really it now. I mean, it's already been stormed. Yeah, it's, you it's do, been uh, done. The, oh, yeah, the and, Brits yeah. already did that 200 years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. So You guys had the yeah the original insurrectionist mm. um yeah. so anyway that's 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 a Us good baby. idea uh i think that's it um i i yeah. wish i could get over there to edinburgh to see your show but everybody listening uh I'm, check them out you also have all these variety shows right like game show type things. yeah so I, we, we run so you, you can check out well, i mean check out my my website ollihon.com um and then if you, you can search on the ed fringe website for rgb monster rgb monster that's the name of my production company and we've got 11 shows going up this year, including two by a certain Rizzle Van Gazel. Ooh. Yeah. We've been trying to get him on this podcast for a very long time. Ah, uh, well, it- he, he, uh, would you know what? As his producer, Ghost? I will, as his producer, I will tell him to do that. To yes! promote. So that's, the, yes! there you go. That's my leverage now. Kaplan, I need to tell you who he is. Well, when I say we, I mean me. Yeah. Kaplan's like, is. who the hell are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Rizzle, Rizzle Van Gazel is the guy who got, um, He's someone at his comedy club in he has a comedy club oh. in Malaysia. Oh, that guy. Okay. Crack yeah, house. I, didn't know, I didn't know his name. I knew that. And yes. he went to jail. Yes. Because someone told a joke that the government didn't like. Mm. And so they threw him in jail. And that's what they're trying to do to Josh. They're very upset, the Malaysian government right now, that Jocelyn Chia is not in an American prison. Yeah. Because they said she told a joke we didn't like. And they went and the U.S. government went, OK, and they go arrest her. And they go, oh, yeah, I don't know. We don't do that. They go must. You must do it now. So it hasn't happened yet, but yeah. uh, we will see. But, yeah, we want to get him on the show too, to t- tell us his whole story. That is it, well. everybody. Ollie Horn, thank you for doing the show. Everyone go see his show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. 
Thank you. And, yes. Uh, enjoy the rest always. of your day. That is it, Kaplan. What should we do? Get lost. Uh, For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.